ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stunning Steve Barber. Joining me, as always, is my awesome co-host, the intellectual rock star himself, Delicious Dwaylon Davis. Hey, everybody. And today's topic actually came courtesy of an email from our friend, the former co-host, Kyle, who actually sent an email to both me and Dwayne. He sent it to me, Dwaylon, and the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, we definitely got this, and he he was just posing a question, and I liked it so much, and I um, I put it up to Dwayland. I was like, you know what? I said that sounds like actually a pretty good topic for the show, and Dwayland agreed, and because that's how we roll, you know, we we actually talk about things like this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes we're like, ah, oh, it's uh, yeah, we'll have it as part of the show. I don't know if it'd be a you know for an entire topic. Yeah, I don't know if we can get enough. Um. But this one, I think we could definitely get enough out of it to make it a full topic. And uh, he said, gentlemen, we're watching a lot of wrestlers from our childhood pass away, which is unfortunate because we just lost yeah. Iron Sheik. We just lost Super yeah. Saiyan Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you both go to wrestling events, conventions, fan fests. Can you give a top three of wrestlers you'd like to meet, think, or converse with while you still have the opportunity? I'm like, you know what? And then you had to put a lot of thought into it, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like that, and he said he always uh, he always sees Scott Steiner whenever he gets a chance because Kyle is a huge Scott Steiner fan. Yeah, um, you know, but he's got also Goldberg, Lex Luger, and Buff Bagwell, uh, and he'd also like to hear stories from Jerry the King Lawler. And the next one, um, little a uh, little surprising because you don't hear about them much, but the Fabulous Ones, that was mm-hmm. Steve Kern and Stan Lane. You know, I'm like, wow, that's a name from way, way back. Yeah. Um, because the fabulous ones, they they pretty much broke up right as Stan Lane was recruited to join the Midnight Express to yep. place yep. in his country. Mm-hmm. And that was in what, like eighty six, eighty five? I think 86? so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see, which which Starcade was Night of the Skywalkers? Was it eighty six? Because Condry was still with them then. Yeah, I think it was 86. Okay. Um, so, yeah, because 85 was uh, the I, I Quit match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 80, so 86 would have been, yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, Flair defended against uh, Nikita. That's right, yeah. And it, and the scaffold was, like, you know, yeah. on top of the ring. So, um, so yeah, that was, so it had to have been, like, late 86, early 87, when Stan Lane joined the Midnight Express because mm-hmm. he 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 joined them right before the next Crockett Cup. Yeah. So uh but he also mentioned, you know, and I'm talking about Kyle. Um he said Uncle or Uncle. I have no idea what they were Uncle <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> See it's got the oil, you know, all you know yeah. part of it. But Hulk Hogan was his childhood hero, but he wouldn't go out of his way. I can't blame him. Um Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. Um Rick Flair and Jake the Snake are a few, but I'm not sure um, because of their podcast content. I've never listened to Jake's. Um, neither, but I understand what he's what he means by Flair. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Flair definitely. Um, so you know, we're gonna try to get our own um, each of our own like personal top three of people we would like to meet. Um, you know, we just ha- sit down and have a conversation with you know and. Um, you know, so I, I think this would, I think this is going to be a pretty good topic. Mm-hmm. And you yep. know, so thanks, Kyle, once again, um, 
you know, for giving us ideas. And uh, I have to say a couple of days ago, this was a, it was a last minute addition, but it definitely added to it. I was getting ready to record a cubicle chat podcast and I was going to be doing the topic was um, un, in parentheses, realism in TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. And I already had an outline and everything. And, and Kyle actually, he had sent me a suggestion. Uh, he had texted it to me. You know, but I told him, I was like, well, I said, I'm literally, I mean, I'm, and I had Zoom pulled up and everything, getting ready to hit the record button when he texted me. Right. And I said, well, I said, I'm getting a record here. Here's a topic. And, and he's like, oh, he said, I'm driving, but I could join too. I'm like, you know what? It's always sure. better to have, you know, somebody. Yeah. And, um, and Kyle and I are pretty comfortable, obviously, talking around each other. So, um, and Kyle's another one that people, well, he's the wrestling guy. No, Kyle knows a lot more than wrestling. Boylan yeah. knows a lot more than wrestling. I know a lot more than wrestling. Look at all the stupid cubes behind me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we definitely know a lot more than wrestling. So, um, you know, so he came on there and, you know, threw a lot of uh, things I had not thought of. And, you know, we had a really good show and stretched what would have been a 30-minute episode tops if it was just me into about an hour and a half. Okay. You know, so, um, yeah, but it ended up being a pretty good time. So once again, Kyle, thank you. And by the way, while you're checking out Cubicle Chat, what you should really be doing is checking out the Intellectual Rockstar Podcast. And what is your latest episode? Because the last one I saw was the Mad Hatter. That's the last one. Um, I got a little behind with some other stuff we had going on. But um, the next episode, which I'm going to do my best to drop that tomorrow, will be on it's a villain named Professor Pig. See, this is two in a row that I've never heard of, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm definitely looking. Professor Pig's and Professor Pig's a newer one. He's like, I don't think he was like introduced in like I think the 2010s, so he was a new, a lot newer villain. But he's got like a creepy backstory, and it's like he's a pretty creepy character anyway. So I figured I'd go. I was, I was initially I was talking to I was talking to Ted because Ted gave me feedback on the Mad Hatter episode. And uh, he said that he's been enjoying all the episodes and learned something new about a Batman villain each time. And I said, originally I was just going to do like the main Batman villains, just the the ones everybody knew. But then I started, as I got into it, I'm like, well, a lot of the obscure ones or lesser known ones are extremely interesting. So I, I figure I'm just going to go with all of them until I run out of them. Uh, Ted's always given me feedback on both our podcast and people chat as well. He's mm-hmm. awesome guy. Great guy. Go check out uh, the Hill truth with Ted, the hillbilly hill. Uh, he no longer does social media, but you can email him. I believe it's the hill truth mm-hmm. at gmail.com. And yeah, you know, just, yeah, he really is the pod father because I'd like to know his secret to growing his audience uh, the way he oh has. yeah yeah because i mean and he has great content that's the first thing yeah you know, and i like to think our content's great but um but ted has really been able to just grow his and um that i mean there's a reason why he's the number one rated show in antarctica exactly you know award-winning trend-setting you know yeah. and if you and if you don't think he is we'll prove that he's not yeah so <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, want to give uh, another huge shout out to the to Mike Bink and Inferno from Finisher Wrestling. Absolutely, that, that was a great was show. 
That was. I mean, that um, this past Saturday we had them on, and they've been a big supporter, or big supporters of our show. And in turn, you know, we listened to their show as well. Big supporters, great guys, great show. And we were able to able to make that come together on our show. Now we're we've already got ideas for their show. And from our show with them, now Jwaylon and I also have some ideas for this show. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, very similar to how we we started the series of uh, why we are wrestling fans from our appearance on Wrestling with the Truth. Yep. B- BCNJ, another shout out to BCNJ from Wrestling with the Truth, Wrestling with the War, Wrestling with the Eighties. Um, you know, we also refer to them as our friends up north. And yeah, yeah. So, um. We got that idea because we were on their show, and that was kind of the topic is, is why we are wrestling fans. And I was referring to me and Jwaylen, you know, but I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a series we could do. Yeah. And we've had, we've been enjoying doing it. Thankfully, the uh, we've had, I bet you lost count of how many people. I'd actually have to go back and see how many appearances we've had on our show with, uh, with the, that series. And it's, you know, it's something that we, it's not, I don't think we're going to stop it. You know, we've just kind of, ran um not run out of people but we've gone through so many people one time now um yeah you know we just don't have as many to pull from right now but we do have some in the hopper waiting yeah you know um it's just a matter of trying to schedule time because um we can work around other people's schedule in fact right now since you know since both joy and i are both unemployed (laughs) 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 uh we're actually a lot more flexible than what we were you know two months ago yeah, um, yeah. Um, but it happens, and you know we're enjoying the fact that right now we're recording literally in the middle of the day on a Thursday. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so normally I'd be going. I'm sitting at my desk going, "I hate this. It feels like a jail cell." Yeah, normally yeah. I would be like, "I have 38 minutes before I can clock out." <laughs> yep. But, um, but you've got your food truck, and you've got other things that you're doing during the day. So, yep you know, getting that money. And today I actually took my exam to get licensed in the state of Ohio to uh, sell life insurance because of, you know, another side. uh, Right now it's a side gig, a side hustle. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to grow it into more though. Uh, I've actually been part of this for a little over a year and I was finally able to take the exam and you have to get a 70 to pass it. And I got a big old fat 72. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, and I was telling you before we started recording, that was the hardest test I have ever had to take. Oh, wow. um, that was harder than even like some of the promotion tests I took when I was still in the air force. Mm-hmm. And some of them are like, I have no idea what they're asking, but I'm just going to pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it right. I'm just going to pick one and it'd be all right. Uh, and yeah, but I got, a uh, hundred question test and got 72 of them. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, so now I just got a little bit more paperwork to fill out. Are they mm-hmm. already have my fingerprints and I'll be licensed uh, to sell insurance. Um, but my next I was talking with the, the vice president who I'm under here for the company. And, mm-hmm. um, and my next thing I'll be taking is for securities. Okay. You know, then, then after that, it'd be series six. Then after that, it'd be serious series six, three. Right. Yep. So and then I'll be able to do investment type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then after that, I'll be mortgages, you know, so then that, that after that's it, you know, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but once I'm really get that going, by the way, kind of a side note, 
um, if anybody does want some like help with personal financial planning, you know, just hit me up and I'll see what we can do. But anyway, back to the subject at hand, you know, so um, when we talk about like people who we'd like to meet, you know, or think or converse with, um, you know, and a lot of it is because, yeah, the, the fan fest and things like that. Here's a weird thing for me. I've actually already met, you know, at least one that I had been wanting to meet ever since I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I, so right now I'm like, I don't know if I want to include them on the list, but then again, I'd like to get them on the podcast. We just got to, you know, come up with a little bit of that yeah. <laughs> because he told me what it cost. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but he's also, you know, I'm talking about Jimmy, the boogie boogie man, Valiant, handsome Jimmy Valiant, you know, um, whatever you know him as. And yeah, um, he, he's 80 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure he's got stories for days, but he said is $50 brother. <laughs> like, I'll get back with you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, let me think um, of it. Yeah. And, but I did get my picture made with him and he signed my figure that you can't see because I've rearranged everything, which we've got, we're ordering a new shelf. I could actually get the belts up on, mm-hmm. you know, so they're not behind, you know, they're not covering up everything. But uh, for those of you not on YouTube, um, on audio only, yeah, I have the two belts, matching belts, 10 pounds of gold, and then the big gold sitting right behind me, but they're blocking the view of, everything else just about so <laughs> want to get them get that shelf and that way they, they're kind of high up they're in the back but they're high up so you can see them mm-hmm. you know so um but he signed that figure and and signed a picture and um and so yeah so i don't know if i want to include him on the list or not though that's the thing i don't know you know so probably because uh, you've already met him then i mean it's one off the yeah, bucket list. It, you know. it is, but um, but at the same time, can you imagine the stories that he's going to have? Oh yeah, especially at eighty years old, can he's forgotten more? Yeah, than... <laughs> yeah, and you know he has his own school. I at least I think. Um, I don't. I don't know if his school is still active or not. But I mean, he had his own wrestling school for a while. And mm-hmm. um, but we'll start with you. You know, if, um. You know, give me like I guess like your number three or number one. Just give me one of your three that you would like. Uh, I would like to meet uh, Shawn Michaels as my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, I've always liked the fact that he is an average size guy. He is like six feet, six one, like two hundred thirty pounds. I, I mean, just I don't even think he's that tall, is he? He may not be, but just an average guy and the things he was able to accomplish in the ring at his size. I mean, he was like, he was the exception to a Vince McMahon rule of Mm -hmm. his main event guys had to be huge muscular guys look like bodybuilders in order to be at the top of the card or be the face of the company. And long comes Sean who comes in, you know, ex- uh, excellent run with the AWA with Marty Jannetty as the Midnight Rockers, two-time AWA World Tag Team Champions. Um, they come in, you know, they they do pretty well for themselves, but they never technically win the WWF tag titles. They did at a house show 
but the rope broke when they wrestled, took him from the Hart Foundation. So right. they reversed the decision and gave the titles back to the Hart Foundation, which I always thought was crap because it's like they still won. They won the match. I mean, rope, rope break or not, mm-hmm. they won, you know. But that's as close as they ever got to the tag titles. Um, they did put on some tag team clinics with the Brain Busters on, ha- on the house show loop when they would do those. Um, oh, and, but, the Orient, and the Orient Express, they had some. Yes, they had some excellent matches. They even had, they had a really good match. Six, I think it was WrestleMania six. They wrestled the Twin Towers, Big Boss Man and Akeem. Uh, I think that was actually five. Was it five? Okay, I I couldn't remember if it was five or six. The reason I was thinking it was six is I think six is the one where they were in a match, but they it was like 10 seconds long because they pinned poor Zukov. That was in Toronto. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I mean, um, but why, uh, why they had a tag team match only last that amount of time, which meant somebody, somebody ran over. Yeah. Already. Oh, yeah. And they, and they got cut. But uh, I have been a huge Shawn Michaels fan since 92. And he threw Marty Jannetty through the window on the barbershop. Now, we know Marty was trying to run away. Oh, yeah. Marty was trying to run, and he just didn't <laughs> see the window and ran through it. But, yeah. I mean, that's on Marty. That's his That's his problem. Yeah. But, Let me explain some of the brain damage decisions he makes now. Right. <laughs> but you could see you could see the potential in that interview segment and just how he carried himself with the turn. You And you knew the turn was coming. But he still made you believe that now nah, I'm just, you know, we're going to work it out and everything. And then when he hit him with the super kick, you know, it was off to the races. And, you know, over time, yes, backstage, there was maturity issues. There was substance abuse <laughs> issues. And. And he was a he was a miserable human being to be around <laughs> outside outside the yeah. room. It's been well documented that he was a miserable human being behind I mean, the scenes. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't yeah. sugarcoat it. How do you feel? Yeah, he was just yeah. insufferable. Yeah. yeah. But when he walked through the curtain, he generally gave you the best match on the card. Yeah. The rarity was, there was rare times that what he was going through personally bled into what he did professionally. And the time that I remember best is at SummerSlam when he was defending the title against Vader. Oh, Lord. And he was just, he was, he was acting like my four-year-old would act when she didn't get her way. And it's expected of a four-year-old. It's not expected of a grown man. And, you know, being a professional wrestler, being the world champion and being face of the company, you know, and he's complaining that Vader wrestled stiff. Who didn't know that Vader wrestled stiff? That's how he made his name. The man literally mm-hmm. got clotheslined so hard, an eyeball, one of his eyeballs popped out, and he stopped long enough to push his eyeball back in and finish the match. Yep. You know he wrestled stiff. Quit complaining and suck it up. Um, but If you learned your craft in Japan, you learned stiff. Stiff. Strong style. That's what it's known. Yes. You know? That's why it's so great. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, after that, he killed Vader's main event push um he did use his backstage pull with Vince McMahon to get out of defending the title against Bret Hart at 
WrestleMania 13, he was supposed to return the favor to Brett. The knee injury comes up, and he has, you know, he doesn't have the match. You know, has ends up winning the title and all that stuff. But his in-ring work was amazing. He had a great run. And then 98, hurt his back in the casket match at the Rumble, drops the title to Austin. I've always given him credit. You could tell how much pain that man was in mm-hmm. during that match, and he still... Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels have both said that the match was not any good. And I get that because of the limitations of Shawn. I think the match was good based on the limitations of Shawn. He still gave you everything he had, even though he was in just crippling pain. You could see it on his face. Like every time as uh, every time he would hit a move, you could see it was just killing him. But he took his time off. He got clean, you know, turned his life around, became born again Christian, comes back in 2002. And for my money, his run from 2002 to 2010 was better than the first run because a lot of that backstage stuff was gone. He was giving you even better matches, and he was able to work with other like-minded wrestlers, other smaller guys, so to speak, that he could put on great matches with, like Angle. I mean, his mat- that match at WrestleMania was amazing. Their trilogy was amazing. Um, you-, you could tell he was in a better place. Mentally, yeah. physically, you could tell he was for the first time he was enjoying his job. He was enjoying what he does. And I would love to meet him simply one, because he's my favorite and two, just the stories that he's got to have, especially how, you know, being able to turn his life around and keep it turned around and not go back down that path. Like a lot of wrestlers will, a lot of wrestlers will get clean, but then they end up going back down that path because they don't stay away from those things that cause that trip the, in the first the place. The situations that will. Yeah. Yeah. They know, put themselves yeah. right back in the situations that got them in trouble in the first place. So yeah. Sean is one is number one. Definitely. I would love to meet and talk to. And you know, the wild thing about him and stone cold saying <laughs> that that match, they didn't think it was that great. Mm-hmm. By the standards of a normal Shawn Michaels Stone Cold match, um, probably not because you the expectation levels are so high. But a bad Shawn Michaels Stone Cold match is still better than almost every other match that's out there. So by their well, standards, are saying, "Well, the match wasn't that great," but it yeah. was still just a phenomenal match. Exactly, like WrestleMania fourteen for me is one of the weaker WrestleManias. The only match that I would ever go back and watch is is Sean and Steve. That's, and, I mean, that's, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the other matches, uh, the tag team battle Royal where the road warriors came out, you know, dressed in yoga pants. Yeah. Um, the, the dumpster match, which I mean, yeah, that is what it is. I mean, that's not a great tag team match. That's just a brawl. Yeah. Um, what else do you have? Uh, 14. Kane and The Undertaker, who have never had a good match together. They have great chemistry, 
but it's just two big guys punching, kicking each other yeah. for, for 20, 25 minutes. Two, so, guys who, two big guys who can do aerial type. Who can do aerial but, stuff, and it's like they just – their matches never clicked. As many matches as they've had and as great of chemistry as far as building the story and the promos and everything, they had great chemistry together. But once the bell rang, if they were – now, tag team, excellent tag yes. team. But opponents, I never enjoyed any of their one-on-one matches. That's also where Kane, um, he dropped a tombstone on Pete Rose for the first time. Yes. And then he, <laughs> and then it took Undertaker three tombstones to beat him. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, because, you know, that's those reasons. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like you said, the, a, a bad Austin Michaels match is still going to be better than 90% of what's on the card that they're on. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and so of mine, and I really had to put some serious thought into this because um, I'm like, who would I want to just sit down and like really, really hear their stories um, because they've been around a while. The first one, but I'll say the first two may be kind of surprising. First one, Abdullah the Butcher. Okay. You know, because he is also like in his 80s mm-hmm. and um, he has been around a long time. Um, I would love to know what what inspired him to go the style that he went. Right. Because, I mean, they ECW might as well just name, rename themselves, you know, the Abdul the Butcher Wrestling Federation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, but he was doing it 30 years before. Before, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, I, I remember seeing, like, in the old, old magazines, because I've, you know, told the story about how, um, I, kid I knew in school back in middle school back in North Carolina his brother had a ton of old magazines and they spanned from like 72 to 74 and Abdul the Butcher was in those yeah and doing the same stuff I mean he's not as big but he was kind of a fat guy back then too and, yeah but pulling the fork they would say he's got a fork even though it was a fork wrapped up in tape but it was actually a because he would hit them and it wasn't breaking mm. so that thing was not plastic oh no you know but he would yeah. hit people in there and you know and the stories that he's had because he's been featured on dark side of the ring he was on at least the episode uh where they talked about uh Bruiser brody getting killed and he's been kind of an influence when it comes to like the brawling style of wrestling Oh yeah, he's like ECW took what Abdullah and honestly what Abdullah and Bruiser Brody did, mm-hmm. and they literally were like, "Okay, they laid the bl- blueprint. Now let's set it on fire and see how far we can go." Yeah, <laughs> and and they literally set stuff on fire. No, oh, they did. Poor, poor Spike Dudley got power bombed through flaming tables. I can't count how many times. So. You know, and as he's flying through the air, all 120 pounds of him, he's like going, I have a teaching degree. What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and then he's on fire. So, and yeah. Then he's on fire. You know, a little fire because it's Spike Dudley. Yeah. Know, but, um, but, yeah, so can you imagine, though, the stories that somebody like an Abdullah would have? Oh, you yeah. Know? It would and be. He, and yeah. I've, the shoot interviews I've seen with him, you know, he does not, he doesn't talk bad about any other wrestlers. You know, mm-hmm. he's not one. You're not going to get dirt out of him. Um, you're going to get stories, but you're not going to get dirt. 
Um, right. And he has nothing but good to say about like every wrestler. So they're mm-hmm. like, well, you know, who, which wrestlers nowadays would you want to? And I've actually seen this in the interview. Even he's like all of them. He said, you know, um, he said they're all good. He said if they're good enough to be in the ring. He said, yes, I would love to have a match with them. Mm-hmm. And which is amazing, you know, just hearing him talk because he was the madman from Sudan. Yeah. And then you trying to find out, no, he's from, I think he's actually, he's, he might be from Nova Scotia. Hold on. <laughs> so, um, but his real name is Larry and he's from, yeah. he's from Canada. And, you know, of course, last I knew he made his residence in Atlanta where he had a build the butcher's house of, um, ribs and Chinese. Okay. And okay. yeah. And uh but unfortunately he also had to shut the um the restaurants down because it came out that he has hep C. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very unfortunate. And of course when you find it and he didn't tell anybody oh uh, Windsor. Okay. So I don't know, I was thinking he was from Nova Scotia. Windsor, from, Ontario. Yep. He's eighty two years old. Okay. Um six foot. 360 pounds. That's what he's billed as. By the way, Shawn Michaels is billed as being 6'1". Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying his actual height is probably around 5'9 or 5'10". Probably. No, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, his name is Lawrence Robert Shreve. Okay. But, you know, just if to hear the stories that he would have talking about, you know, like Puerto Rico and then uh, Japan mm-hmm. and then all over both United States and Canada and you know he would actually have some stories and probably a lot of wisdom to pass on because oh yeah uh, you know he he wasn't one that they they ever really talked he could tell you about the psychology of being a heel because I can't think of any time where he was a face unless he was facing somebody like a bruiser Brody and yeah yep you know but yeah so that's um yeah that's my first pick is Abby okay you know, so my second pick is Samoa Joe. Okay, uh, I've been a fan of Samoa Joe since I first saw him in Ring of Honor back in late 2002. Uh, I was instantly amazed that a guy that size, you know, Samoa Joe is built like a tank and moves yeah. like and in his prime moved like Rey Mysterio. Yeah. No man that's 280 pounds should be able to do the things that he was able to do in the ring. And, you know, the, when he went to TNA, you know, he was the X division champion and it fit perfectly because their motto for the X division was that there's no limits. And he was a perfect example of that, you know, six feet tall, 285 pounds. And, and he's doing tope suicidas and just, yeah, the in-ring skill. I mean, when he would say, my name is Samoa Joe and I am professional wrestling. He is to this day. I mean, he's, I mean, he's slowed down some, he's older. He's not doing the tope suicidas and all that. He's just changed his style, but he is a monster, whether he is heel or face and his ability to talk people into the building is Still, in my opinion, he is still the best talker in pro wrestling right now. I mean, MJF is the only one that I would put maybe slightly above Samoa Joe as far as the promo goes. But 
MJF's promo style is completely different. A lot of his is more let me see how insensitive I can be and get away with. <laughs> while Samoa Joe's is just it's realism. It's like you believe everything that's coming out of his mouth because you look at him and the way he carries himself to the ring and the way he articulates himself. And it's like, you believe that he is as good as he says he is. And I've seen him in interviews, like not wrestling promos, but like interviews. And he's just, he seems like a real genuine human being. And he seems like a lot of fun to be around and really humble. So I would really love to talk to him and, you know, just hear stories of him coming up. Cause you got to think he's been doing this at Long least time. 21 years. Ring of honor started wow. in 2002. He oh, was wrestling before that. So he's probably been doing this at least 25 years. Wow. I never thought about that. Yeah. And still to this day winning championships, he's still the reigning ring of honor television champion. So, and he's back, you know, helping the younger generation back where it all started for him, where he really made a name for himself. He's still the longest reigning ring of honor world champion ever. And one single reign, he held it for over 600 days. And I don't remember which which year it was, if it was 17, 18, or 19. One of those, uh, the 2K game, WWE, WWE 2K, whatever. Mm -hmm. When you created a wrestler, you had to start in NXT, and you had to wrestle like a tryout match kind of sort of with Samoa mm -hmm. Joe. I mean, and so that sets up, and they're like, okay, Samoa oh, yeah. Joe, yeah. you know, that, that's the one that you would have to, um, in real life, you know, actually try to have a match yeah. with. You know? Well, you can tell how much faith all these companies put in Samoa Joe, like when he went to NXT, he's the only three time NXT champion. Yeah. Him and knock him and Nakamura have both held it twice, but he wanted a third time when he beat Karrion Cross. He's the only three time, you know, he's the only three time NXT champion. He's a grand slam champion in TNA. He's won. Actually, he's won everything there is to win in Ring of Honor now because he's been the world champion, the pure champion, tag champion, and now he's the TV champion. And he should have been WWE champion. Oh, he absolutely should have been WWE. He should have been the one to take that belt off AJ Styles. Yep. Or Lesnar. Yeah, no. or Lesnar. Honestly, he should have taken the – they should have had him at Great Balls of Fire, Mo through Brock Lesnar, and – take the universal title he was he was so hot and the fans were so into yes him winning but yet vince is like no we got to keep lesnar on top i like lesnar <laughs> yeah well, later. samoa joe is definitely my yeah samoa <laughs> joe is definitely my number two um my number two another one that uh i don't even think we've ever really mentioned this guy but as far as like somebody who understands like how the stories work and how psychology works and how the characters work, um, and he's been both a face and a heel, that's um, that's Mantel. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, he Zeb could, Coulter, yep. Zebakaya. Yeah. He's had, you, he's, 
he could teach like a wrestling class at a university. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the one of the greatest wrestling minds ever that I feel like is very underrated mm-hmm. as far as I mean, he was a good wrestler for the style of wrestling that he right. did. But, you know, for me, it was just the creative part that he was so good at. And I feel like that that part has never truly been utilized well by any company he's ever worked for. I don't feel like that they took, they had this genius, you know, on the books and just never took advantage of it like they should have. And, you know, even if you didn't have him as like the head booker, he's going to be the person to be your advisor to go, hey, what do you think? And he'll be honest with you. Put him in charge of the writing staff. Yes. You know how much better, especially, you know, the 2010s WWE, do you know how much better that product would have been if somebody like Dutch Mantel was writing the product and not these TV writers that are writing, that were writing episodes of Raw like they were writing episodes of Friends? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they had him, you know, they had him in front of the camera. Not likable characters. There wasn't characters no. people could get behind. I mean, he was. It was, you know, even as a manager, which he could have been a good manager. Oh yeah. But they they always had it like mid card at best, middle mid card at best. Yeah. Not even top yeah. of the mid card. And, you know, but when you see him in interviews and you see the interviews with other wrestlers talking about him, they always talk about how, um, he seems to know just about everything there is to know about the business, you know, especially mm-hmm. like behind the scenes. Yep. And he knows how characters work. He knows how the psychology works. He was the one who told Steve Austin in, uh, I think they may have been still in Texas. They may have been in Memphis by this point, but he told Steve Austin after a match to, he said, sit down in this chair. He grabbed a chair, told him, sit mm-hmm. down. You watch every single match that you're not in. Mm-hmm. He said, that's how you learn. And, you know, and so Steve Austin has always given him credit for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He said if, if, you know, if Dutch hadn't have done that, you know, who knows? I mean, he said, exactly. It's, he said, it's little things like when they get them in a headlock, if you notice, they always have them way up, up mm-hmm. kind of higher with their head, like right here. Whereas if we we're like in a real fight, we always get them in a headlock and you always have them down and then you punch mm-hmm. them several times. But he said, and there you have them up so you could still talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, you know, but it's it's things like that, the little things that Dutch Mantel would know. And you could sit there, and he once again, he's a been there, done that, been all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he would have so many stories. You could just he would be just an open book of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, so I agree. Yeah, that's why you know he's another one. You know, as far as like sitting down and talking to and just picking their brain. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, and that's what I say. I mean, it took me a little bit of thought to come up. You know, so far with Abdullah and now. Um, Dutch, you know, so, um, you know, so, but it was like the people, and I will throw another one out there. I've already met him, and he's not a wrestler, but Bill After would be one. Oh, yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so if we're going to do an honorable mention, I'll just throw that one out, you know, just mm-hmm. real quick. Bill After is definitely one just to come from the 15 minute conversation I had with him already. I was like, I could talk to this man all day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you're third, and if you want to do some honorable mentions as well. Uh, actually, I don't really have any honorable mentions. 
Um, I take that back. I do have an honorable mention. He's not a wrestler. Paul Heyman. Oh, I would love yeah. to talk to Paul Heyman. Um, just, you know, about the original ECW, his promo style, just another genius wrestling mind. There's so much that he could, you know, there's so much that he could tell you about the business that would probably blow your mind. And I would love to talk. I would love to have that conversation with Paul Heyman. So that he would be definitely my honorable mention. Uh, But my third is Arn Anderson. That's what I thought about. Yep. Arn, in my opinion, is still, he's neck and neck with Scott Hall. But to me, Arn is still the greatest professional wrestler to never be a world champion in any promotion he's ever worked for because he had everything. Arn had, he had a look that said, you know, he didn't look like a big bodybuilder like the Road Warriors or anything like that. He looked like an everyday guy that was capable of beating the crap out of you. He just looked, you know, he looked like a normal dude. You could, you know, you could, you know, compare or whatever. Um, you could relate to it. And yeah. his in-ring skills were just phenomenal. The focusing on a body part, which I still feel like is a lost art in some companies in pro wrestling. Um, but Arn would focus on the body part because he said, he said his, the way he learned and his philosophy is a three-legged chair is no good to anybody. He's like, exactly. so if I wear out an arm or I wear out a leg, then what good are they after I get done with it? And he just, and his promos are still some of the best promos. I go back on YouTube frequently and just pull up Arn Anderson promos and listen to them. And it's like, like Dusty said on the uh, Four Horsemen uh, DVD thing, he said that you've got Flair and Tully and JJ talking about, you know, Space Mountain and, cars and women and watches and Lear jets and all this stuff. And then Arn is just, and I know we're family friendly, but this is a quote from dusty Rhodes. He said, Arn would just stop and look in the camera and be like, I'm going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. And dusty said, and you always believed when Arn said he was going to do it. You always believed he was going to do it. And he's like, Arn would always bring everything back around to what the focal point is supposed to be. And that's pro wrestling. And Arn always said, he's like, I'm not, he's like, you don't see flashy, flashy trunks. You don't see, you know, in-ring music. You don't see pyro. He's like, it's black, you know, black trunks and boots. He's like, but it says wrestling on the marquee. And that's what I do best is wrestling. Arnold's real. Arnold's real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's. Samoa Joe gives me that Arn Anderson yeah. type. Samoa Joe, type I vibe. believe. You yeah, know, you he's, believe he's it. And with Arn, you believed it. And I mean, this is the man who created the name for the Horsemen. Mm-hmm. You know, he came up with this group, you know, and it was by accident, but he struck gold with it. And without Arn, without Arn Anderson, there's no Horsemen. Exactly. It's great. As great as the individual wrestlers are, 
Ric Flair, I know, greatest world champion ever. Tully Blanchard should have been a world champion. Mm-hmm. Ole Anderson, one of the toughest men in the history of pro wrestling. Barry Windham, one of the best athletes to ever walk into pro wrestling. But none of that works without Arn. Arn was the glue that held that, created that group and held it together. And, and I and Arn has forgotten more about pro wrestling than I think any, anybody will ever learn. Arn's already forgotten so much. Um, you, know. you know, out of all of the Conrad Thompson podcasts, but that's actually got what got me really started listening to all the wrestling podcasts and then mm-hmm. inspired me to say, hey, maybe I should have a wrestling podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the only one I actually still listen to now is Arn Anderson. It's Arn's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing against the other ones. It's just, you know, um, when I, there were so many of them, they mm-hmm. added so many of them, and, and a, lot it, of, a lot of them started becoming very repetitive. Yeah, and there's like um, no time. It, it got it gets to where there's not, you've got to pick and choose because there's only so many hours in the day, and you can't you can't listen to them all. You just can't. So you've got to narrow yeah. it down. And and I also started listening to non wrestling podcasts because that was actually mm-hmm. when when we started doing the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I just want to throw something else out there. Tomorrow will be the third anniversary of Armchair Booking. Really? Yes. Wow. That's crazy. Um, I, I looked on that the other day. I saw the date, and I was like, "Huh, that's Friday." You know. So, um, you know, once again, shout out to Kyle. You know, for mm-hmm. helping me through that. The first year until basically he was hitting the point where he had a lot he was doing. He had you know, a lot going uh, on, yeah. Yep, uh, he still has a lot going on. Um, you know, but now after the third year, well, I wanted to make sure I wasn't accidentally bleeding over from what they were talking about onto this project. Mm-hmm. Because it right. Look, you know, um, like almost not plagiarism. But sometimes it would just be a, it would just be a coincidence. But either way, I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, well. Let me get away from that. And, yeah. you know, but Arns is the only one I still listen to because, you, you know, you listen to Arns' vocabulary. And that's how he came up with. Oh, you know, yeah. Horseman. I mean, he's. Yeah. He, he, you know, he did that quick. He had to think he had like 15 seconds to say something. Yeah. Last time you saw something like this with the full horseman of the apocalypse. Yeah. And, you know, and if you listen to him and, you know, you, you realize that. It, Arn is very well read. And by the mm-hmm. way, he didn't have a great upbringing. No. You know, he was raised by his grandparents. Um, and because um, his mom was fairly young, like maybe 17, mm. I think, you know, when she had him, maybe 18, but she was fairly young, was not ready. Um, right. You know, but and that's why <clears throat> her parents said, no, we're going to raise the baby. You'll know, mm-hmm. be here. In fact, she lived like just a house, just yeah, up the dirt, the dirt road they were on. Um, but he said, you know, of course, we've seen this a lot. Unfortunately, mom was kind of a partier. Mm-hmm. You know, had multiple boyfriends. In fact, Arn mm-hmm. apparently beat one of her boyfriends up one time because the guy slapped his mom. And so Arn didn't matter, you know. Yeah, Arn, you know, was like fourteen, fifteen years old and was already yeah. You know, he was a football player and all that, and he beat the guy up pretty bad. And 
you know, but I mean, he um, made sure that whatever he put his mind to, you know, he, um, you know, he did it right. He studied, you know, he played football and, you know, other sports. And um, he said, you know, his granddad uh, cut hair for a living. He was a barber. Yeah. You know, not, not me kind of barber, you know, not last name, but, <laughs> but, but, he, but he was a barber and barbers usually don't make a lot of money. Yeah. You know? Um, Maybe if you own the shop, you may make some, but I mean, he said, so it was, um, they were definitely not affluent because he's like, he would be at a store and try to, he wanted to get something from the store. And, and he said, granny would tell me, no, um, Marty, you know, his real name is Marty mm -hmm. Martin. No, we can't afford that. And so she kept him humble also because the first time he got a car of his own, he, he went out and got a brand new convertible Cadillac and he brought it to her house. Look, granny. And she said, take it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but for, for Arn, yeah, those kind of conversations, because if you listen to his podcast, I mean, he, you know, he talks a lot about the wrestler, but he talks also about like the psychology behind why they were doing certain things. And then he, yep. he admits some things. He's like, I don't remember why we did that. I don't yeah. Think that I'd have to actually ask somebody else as to <laughs> why I was wrestling that person. He's like, yeah, it, it would have to have been a couple. And he would go through these scenarios, what it probably was, but, you know, but he's again, like you were saying about some of the other ones, he's probably forgotten more oh, yeah. than what we'll ever know. You know, so, um, and, you know, I think one person that might be able to beat Arn's vocabulary is maybe Matt Mims, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we got to get him back on the show again, but I'm going to have to have a dictionary on standby just so I could, every time he says something I don't know, I'm going to go, Hold on, <laughs> go look it up. Uh, shout out to Matt Mim Matthew Mims. He's doing. He looks like he's doing some big things in the NWA in the tag division. So, yes, sir. Props to him. Um, and you know, in, in Matt Mims, when he walks in a room, I mean, he is just jacked because I mean, yeah. he he puts up some serious weight. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got a mean look. And then you talk to him; he's soft spoken. Yeah. One of the <laughs> and, nicest guys. Yeah. Um, and they they were apparently refer to him as the walking thesaurus. And I'm like, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we've had him on the show twice, and both times were great, great interviews. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we had him by himself. Then we had him on the panel show last year, and and you know, I'm just listening to him, going, "Man, how many words does this man know?" Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. You know, he's not just throwing them up just to say, "Hey, look what I know." I mean, it's part of his normal conversations, mm -hmm. which means. Why isn't he like teaching somewhere as a professor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but speaking of panels and, you know, you brought up, you know, Paul Heyman being part of your honorable mention. Can you imagine sitting on at a table? You know, they do like the table for three, table for four. They do these other mm -hmm. shows like this, but Paul Heyman, Dutch Mantel, Rip Rogers, and Jim Cornette. It's a learning tree. Yeah, I mean it's literally the learning tree. There's, you've literally got the best minds ever in pro mm -hmm. wrestling. No, no disrespect to anybody else because there's been a lot of excellent wrestling minds, but those four together at one time, there's no need to talk. You just sit and listen and learn. And, you know, Rip Rogers, I know that's not a name we really talk about a lot, but he's, he actually has his own YouTube thing now. He just started not too long ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, in fact, I get notifications for it, but I just, it's because he goes live, I want to say every day. Oh, wow. And he, like, something, he's, um, 
Nick Foley's actually talked about him, I know, in at least his first book. Mm-hmm. And he said, Rip Rogers, he's like, he's one of those that doesn't get as much do as what he's, what he, um, yeah, deserves. Um, he said, because he's a little out there. Uh, and he tells a story about apparently Barry Wyndham dropped a Rolex in the toilet, a toilet that was full of the mm-hmm. diarrhea that, you know, that Barry Wyndham had dropped in there from his escapades the night before from other Jack mm-hmm. Daniels or whatever. Dr. Rolex said it. Of course, now he doesn't want to flush because, mm-hmm. well, Rolex, gone. And they're like, what are we going to do? He said, Rip Rogers said, hold on, rolled up his sleeve, barehanded, reached in there, and searched around until he found the Rolex, and here you go. And they're like, okay, that's... You're disgusting. <laughs> so thank you, but yeah, you're disgusting. Yeah. yeah. You know, so not the you know most, I guess, sane. Um, mm-hmm. Rip Rogers also used to be a teacher. He's another one. Okay. Um, but yeah, he used to be a teacher like in Indianapolis, somewhere like that. But Foley actually said Rip Rogers though had, you know, he he was one who could really explain things um, because he said he used to go to Rip Rogers for advice all the time. Because one, mm-hmm. one of the things, you know, it was Foley was about he was about to leave uh, WCW. This was in I think his second run through WCW, and well, he was doing like a loser leaves town match against Kevin Sullivan. Right. That's after they lost the tag titles and started right. feuding. Yeah. And he said, you know, he was asking Rip Rogers about it. And he said, well, Kevin Sullivan's supposed to be the face. And Rip said, no, he said, no, he said, Kevin Sullivan is the least sympathetic character in wrestling. There's no way after all the, they, he said, no matter what they do, they're not going to be able to turn him face. No. And not after the stuff that, not after just the stuff he's done in pro wrestling. There's no way you can make him a sympathetic babyface. You, you can't. can't. And, you know, so, and, and he, and Rip Rogers was explaining to Nick a couple of things that you should do. And, and he said, and of course, he went out there and the people were not going to boo. Um, they were not going to cheer Kevin Sullivan. So by default, they were cheering for Mick mm-hmm. Foley, you know, when he was still going under Captain Jack. But, uh, but yeah, Rip Rogers, he, was helping train down at OVW. I don't know if he still is or not. He might be. I think Al Stowe was also down there. Um, now, Rip Rogers, I've heard him on Cornette's show. This was years ago. Um, if we were to ever get him on the show, which I think would be really cool, mm-hmm. we, we would have to really stress to him, all right, this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't oh. think he'd be able to help himself. I just yeah. don't. I because think he, he's he's oh, so used to being able to say any and everything that he wants. Every sentence was GDF, GDF, GD. It's like, yeah. dude, even Cornette was like, dude. Yeah, and it's like, I don't think he would be able to stay in those confines. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, or he may have been on Cornette's. He may have just been doing it just for the shock value. But you yeah, it could be. The shock yeah. value is gone. Well, no, because I've seen him on Twitter. And it's the same thing. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I already said my honorable mention would be Bill After, and that's just because I have met him and had a short mm-hmm. conversation. And if we could ever get him on the show, you know, we would have to do not even like a two part; it had to be like a three or four parter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we yeah. just have to split it up. 
um, because, you know, another wrestling mind, but from a journalist yeah. uh, point of view. But my number three um, is um, The Undertaker. There you go. Yep. You know, that's so, a good one. Yeah. And because he could tell, um, like, to hear how he started, you know, and all the gimmicks that he went through and yep. misused by WCW, but then brought in this gimmick of the undertaker but then how he's taken the undertaker mm-hmm. and evolved it and was able to well even discussing his time in memphis because people tend to forget that he is a former unified world heavyweight champion when that that title was the world championship for the uswa the, you know that particular mm-hmm. territory and he's a former world champion of that territory and then should have been the United States champion in WCW because he should have beat Lex Luger. Um, Cause he was hot when he was feuding with Luger. It had been the perfect time to put the title on an up and coming star, but yeah, they didn't know what to do with him. They didn't realize what they had. And now he's one of the greatest characters in the history of pro wrestling and not just character. He's one of the best wrestlers. Cause like you said, the evolution of the undertaker went from, the spooky, almost zombie type yeah. character to where he, you know, he was plotting and methodical and, you know, everything was like a horror movie character. He was like Michael Myers come to life. And then, you know, it just kept evolving. And then we get the American badass stage where it was basically just Mark Calloway with the volume turned up. And then we get, we had, we got the, Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. Yep, which is the well, one I think I don't think he would ever go back to doing that. No, I don't either. He, That's the yeah. one I always called Satan Taker. Is the <laughs> is what I always <laughs> called about, it. But yeah, and yeah. Uh, but then he went back to the Dead Man, but tweaked it also, and the Dead Man became this excellent technician in the ring. I mean, when he's you know when he's hanging toe to toe with the Kurt angles and Shawn Michaels of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. that tells you how much work he's put in to evolve over, you know, over time. He, it's kind of like when Michael Jordan got older and perfected the jump shot that nobody could touch because yeah. he knew I'm getting older and I can't, I, you know, I can't just, I can't dunk from the free throw line. Like I used to be able to, but I can hit this 21 foot jump shot that nobody's going to be able to stop. That, that turnaround fadeaway Jordan had. Yeah. That, yeah. That fadeaway yeah. jumper was just, it was beautiful and untouchable. And the undertaker did that. It's like, I'm getting older and I can't do these things as much. So I'm just going to up my mat wrestling game and show people another side. And yeah. that, that would be amazing to talk to him and see what his thought process would be with the evolution over time of the under of 30 years of the undertaker. And think about this, not just when, um, with the evolution going from, okay, we have, you know, spooky, spooky pants, the zombie. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then you had the under faker, you know, but he yeah. came in, changed his glove color from gray to purple. Huh? Yep. You know, um, but 
he was his move set was still more or less the same but then as it, later on he was developed okay i got the tombstone oh now i got this massive choke slam because he's yeah. a legit six foot ten yeah and so yeah so that choke slam looks like yeah. if, if i were to do a choke slam to somebody they go so you yeah. know but he does it <laughs> you know yeah. it's like bam and i mean he's walking the top rope and he's just yeah. doing yeah. you know suicide dives over the top and you know you got a 610 mm-hmm. 300 pound dude flying through the air at you and it's like yeah he just kept changing it up he kept changing with the times which is very important and then of course you know he um he comes up with his version of a power bomb the last ride where yes. he has him up and then he picks him up then, even higher yep the elevated power bomb yeah um and, and then, then um his his chokehold um yeah what's it called hell's gates hell's gates yeah Yeah. and like that you could tell his mma influences you could tell he took some of that from his from him being a fan of mma because you know he is that he is the guillotine choke um yeah Yeah, it's a guillotine. even right yeah even the even the gloves that he used he changed up his look and was looked more like a fighter Mm-hmm. as time went on and not just you know a spooky horror movie character you know he looked like a legit fighter and you know then he also had other moves that weren't necessarily finishing moves um he had the it was the combination snake eyes but then as he's dropping him on the turnbuckle in the corner he's hitting the other ropes and he's coming back and he's hitting them with with a kick right in the face Oh, that big boot. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. I always love that. Yeah. Yeah. And his lariat was one of the ones um him him and Barry Windham had the best lariats out yeah. there. Yeah. Um and because I mean they put their entire body into it. They they literally flew through the air when they hit it. Yes. You know, they left their feet when they hit that lariat. Um, best example of the Underriggers Lariat is uh and we did a watch along of this last time we did a watch along before, mm-hmm. you know, WWE network had it to where you can't watch along yeah uh but this one we did with our friend alan watching mm-hmm. it was was undertaker against hogan when he beat hogan for the title at survivor series in 91 there was one part where hogan you know was doing the shoulder block well undertaker came off the shoulder block bounced off the ropes and immediately took like a step and was in the air yeah as hogan's cut the other ropes and bam he hit that yeah. lariat yep and you're like oh this is over oh yeah <laughs> you know and, and i mean the Undertaker went from the Monster Slayer, like when the streak first started, they threw every big guy at him. You know, you know, he beat Jimmy Snuka, and then it started to where he was just the monster killer, and it's like we're gonna throw every big monster at him. But then it got to where Oh, Undertaker's in a match with Rey Mysterio. Undertaker's in a match with Edge. He's having these this trilogy with Triple H. He's having these, you know, five-star classics with Shawn Michaels. And he proved that he was more than just the character. Yeah. Um, hey, Undertaker just chucked Mick Foley off the top of the hell in a cell. Yeah, just threw um, him off the cell. He wrestled that match with a broken foot. With a broken foot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I, when I get a break, when I've broken anything, I just lay down and cry. Yeah, and, it's like, oh, oh and he, and he's throwing people off the top of a 16-foot structure. Yeah. Then he's dropping down 
out of that structure into the ring on the broken foot. As you can see when he landed, he was like shaking it off. And it's like, you know, and yeah, injuries kind of slowed him down. So another reason why he changed up his style. Mm -hmm. But he's just the greatest character in the history of wrestling and one of the best wrestlers. And just to sit down and talk with, um, really, it'd be Mark Calloway, the man, Mm -hmm. about all the things he's seen, because, you know, he's another one. He's traveled around the world. Oh, yeah. He's traveled Um, the world. Yeah. Yeah. He was there on the television show in Kuwait when Vader got a little carried away. Yeah. You know, um, the the Undertaker was also the one he kept order in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Um, And that included going to Vince McMahon, going... You better go apologize to Bret Hart right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course, then Bret punched Vince in the face. But, yeah. but Undertaker was one. He told Vince, the owner, the boss, you better get in there and you better apologize to him. He said, you got some explaining to do. I mean, rumor still has it that he was the one who made sure Sean dropped the title to Austin because Sean didn't want to do it. And Taker's sitting back there <laughs> taping his hands up. You know, in gorilla position, and it's like (laughs) we can do, we can hand, you can do business the right way, or we can handle it another way. Yeah. If you walk through, if you walk back through that curtain, then uh, you better make the right decision before you come back through the curtain. And if people don't think things like that happen, and if they don't think they'd have things like that happen to Shawn Michaels, they absolutely. Ron and Don Harris Mm -hmm. actually they beat Shawn Michaels to within an inch of his life at one point, mm-hmm. like in the shower yep. because of some shenanigans he had pulled. Yep. You know, um, and then they probably went out and had a beer together. Oh, I'm just, sure. They just got their but, point across. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you hear that, that is my phone ringing. I'm actually going to have to tell them I'm recording right now. That's, that is my dad calling. That is a ringtone I have for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, could you hear it? No, I heard a little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, it was um, Everclear, father of mine. Okay. But, yeah, that's how, you know, um, uh, you never call, so you never you don't have your own ringtone. I don't think you've ever called right. me, actually. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't get... think so. I'm I'm just not a big caller, you know. I, I'll, text you, I'll text you all day, but i just not a fan of talking on the phone. Uh, I am going to tell him that uh, recording right now. I will call you when I am done. Um, but anyway, so yeah, um, the Undertaker just because once again, I mean, I, and my criteria was, you know, imagine the stories they can tell. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's kind of like you know, and I, I stole that kind of from um, remember the TV show Night Court? Yes, yes. Remember, remember Bull, the one big bailiff. Mm-hmm. He found out somebody they were like into in a distributing company which distributed pork rinds, mm-hmm. and he said pork rinds. Gee, the stories you must have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's one of them really funny, just off the wall lines you always remember. Yeah, you know. So that's why I was like, yeah, imagine the stories these guys had. These guys, mm-hmm. had. you know, whether it be Shawn Michaels, Samoa Joe, who was your third? Arn. 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 Duff. Um, that was that because he Arn was almost on my list too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or if it is like Abdul the Butcher, you know, Dutch Mantel, The Undertaker. I mean, imagine all yeah. of them. And then the other ones we mentioned, 
who didn't make our top three, but, and sometimes I, you know, I think with like a Paul Heyman or a Cornette, Rip Rogers and all them, we wouldn't even be talking. We no, oh no, we would just listening. be listening. Yeah. And, you know, so those guys, I think Rip Rogers could actually have his own course at a college somewhere, a university. Oh, yeah. It would be something like, you know, not even like, okay, here's Wrestling 101, here's Wrestling 102, here's Wrestling mm-hmm. 103, because, you know, he could take it that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are our lists. Uh, for anybody out there listening, send us your list. Hit us yes. up. Yeah. Let us know your list of the top three. We will say all the ones we mentioned. If you if you notice, they're all actually living because mm-hmm. Iron Iron Sheik would have been one I would have oh yeah loved to talk to, but unfortunately, you know, he did pass away, and that's actually what prompted Kyle to send us a question, which turned into a topic. But and there's some other ones, and I will have to admit, uh, Jake Roberts because you don't know what he's going to say. Um, yeah. Rick Flair, I don't know. I don't want to hear his stories of partying all the time. If he would just stick. No, to I don't want to hear. I want to hear about wrestling. I don't want to hear about the womanizing and the partying. I don't. I mean, right. I just don't care. I mean, right. You're, you know, you're in your seventies. Why are? You, why is that what you're still holding on to? Right. When you've done all of this exceptional stuff in your professional career, but it's the womanizing and partying that you're grasping onto. Yeah, because maybe you know your three kids and your grandkids don't want to hear about it they don't want to hear about it because that's what you made a priority you know rather hear about the wrestling and you know but yeah send us your three you know so we'd love to hear them armchair booking podcast at gmail.com if you're watching on youtube you've probably seen the marquee come across you can always hit us up on facebook you can always hit us up on twitter at booking armchair you can hit us up on instagram you can hit dwelling up the intellectual rock star Mm-hmm. You know, hit him up at, at fat underscore daddy seventy three on Twitter or at the rockstar seventy three. Yep. Yep. So, and hit me up at cubicle underscore chat on Twitter. Hit us up on all those. Let us know your top three. We would love to hear them. Support your other wrestling podcasts. Like I said, we mentioned uh, having finished your wrestling. We mentioned Ted the Hill Billy Hill. We've mentioned wrestling with the truth. Got also got to mention the Dad World Order. You know, that that's another one um, that those guys are just great. Want to mention TNC Sports Talk. Haven't talked about Justin in a while because, um, you know, he's still doing stuff. You know, he's got he's got mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff going on right now, too, but he's still putting out a product, you know, whenever he can. And definitely want to mention the Northern Wrestling Federation, including Wildcat Chris Harris. He's on the shirt. Yep. Uh, in fact, you know what? I haven't done a selfie with a shirt in a while, so let me do that now, and I will – I have to put that. Yep, recording. Picture the new, new shirt with Wildcat. He was just on Conrad Thompson's show, by the way. Conrad Thompson actually did an interview oh, with Wildcat, okay. and I want to say, and hey, you know what, Conrad, he was on our show first, twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but I actually commented on uh, the Twitter, which Conrad actually posted that. I was like, yeah, we have to. We we've had him on our show. Great interview, um, and even a, a greater person. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Harris, yeah, he's just a phenomenally great person. He he's always supported us, and, uh, and so we obviously would support him because you know he's he's another one that he's been there, done that. You know? Yeah. So he yeah. and he he could tell you some stories of redemption too. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but just a great dude. And I'm friends with him and his wife Shannon. Yeah. You know. So, um, but yeah, send us your 
your thoughts, send us your ideas, send us your three, your three people that you want to meet and have a conversation with. Maybe you just want to meet them. Maybe you just want to talk to them. Maybe you want to hear their stories. So, but uh, anything else, Waylon? Oh, I do want to no. give congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's what they're mm-hmm. called. You know, the the NBA champions and the Stanley Cup champions, um, especially the the Denver Nuggets. Um, oh my God, that dude. What's his name? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he was, <laughs> I was he, the MVP. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he was amazing. And I like, I was hoping Jimmy Butler would win a championship because he's such a good player. But I love the fact that the Denver Nuggets got their first championship in franchise history. Yep. And yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights. And the fact that LeBron surrounds himself with quote unquote great players mm-hmm. couldn't get it and done. Can't that get the got, job done. Got yeah. swept again. Yeah. yeah. And. You know, Michael Jordan never even made it to a game seven. No. The final. You know, LeBron got swept before he even made the finals. And that's even if they yeah. even, a couple years, you know, Lakers weren't even making the playoffs a couple years ago. It was with LeBron, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And here comes the Nuggets playing as a team. Yeah, exactly. Playing as a team. No, no huge egos. No, let's build this super team so we can have an easier path to the championship. They just, played team basketball and dug in and took it all. That's how, that's how it should be building these super teams. Like generally does more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And last year, the Milwaukee bucks, and I don't even keep up with the NBA much anymore. Mm-hmm. I haven't since they went on strike in 98. Yeah. No, I don't even keep up, but I know the Milwaukee bucks. Mm-hmm. From what I hear, same thing. They built. Yeah. Team. Yeah. They played. They, I mean, they, team. And they struggled for years until mm-hmm. they got the whole team was able to gel and play good together. But they didn't go out and waste money signing all these supposed huge stars. Golden State's the same way. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, they built their team with basically homegrown talent. And they just started winning because yep. they got good. Yep. So... But yeah, I'd like to say, give a shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Give a shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights. This is apparently their second Stanley Cup. Uh, and I honestly, I couldn't tell you a lot about hockey, but I do know. Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't know either. Yeah, uh, I don't understand all the rules of hockey. You know, so um, I just know it's it can get kind of brutal. There could be fights, and I'm like, there we yeah. go. You yeah. know, so um, BC. I know it's it's actually not the national pastime in. Canada, believe it or not, mm-hmm. the number one sport is actually not hockey. But we think hockey, we think Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, we just do. So, uh, so BC, you may have to kind of learn us on how the rules of hockey go, uh, because Dwayne and I, we grew up in the South. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you just didn't. We just didn't have a lot of hockey growing up. You know. No. So, um, but anyway, unless you have something else, no, I'm good. All right. Well, I'll just say, see you and God bless. God bless.